Hey, good morning, church. Glad that you're here. We're in a series on 2 Timothy. And in fact, there's more that we want to teach on this. So we're going to extend it out a little bit further than what we had initially planned. And we will coincide it with, um, you know, by the time we end the series, will be time to pretty much move into our new building. And we're excited about that. And next week, uh, I'll show you some more pictures of that very close on everything being done. And I'll give you an update on where we are with our fundraising, um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, later. We're going to start today uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 and 7. And a little bit of background, uh, this is being written from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor, really a disciple of Paul in many ways. As we talked last week, his background into this is that Paul has made three missionary journeys into Lystra and Derby, Timothy is from a family of believers uh, in uh, Derby. And as we talked, it started with his grandmother into his mother. Now with him, this is a young pastor being instructed um, on how to pastor in one sense as part of what First uh, and Second Timothy is. And then the other part is just his personal life, uh, how to stay strong, how to keep faith, how to handle all the things that are going on in the world. One of the things that we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks, 2 Timothy chapter 3 starts talking about um, in the last days, what different things will look like and then how believers line up with that and what the world is going through. And we are called to be strong, salt and light, not afraid, not putting our head in the sand, not ducking and trying to get away from it all, but literally engaging it, occupying it. And I think that's what the message is. So as we go into this today, I think that the Lord has some things to remind us of, uh, literally for how to live our lives. And then prophetically, there's a part in here that I'm going to talk about fear and a spirit of fear that is in the world today, in our land in particular, and how it's just being fed over and over. And if you dwell on that, if you consume that all the time, you become a fearful person. And today, so many believers are full of fear. And the promise of God is that He will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is set upon Him. And not only that, He'll give us a peace that the world can't understand. And that is our heritage that belongs to us. And so part of what this message is today is to try to bring forth a declaration, right? And to break a spirit of fear that is trying to bind God's people. That's not how he wants us to live our lives. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So let me jump back into this. Before anything else, we're recording this uh, today from uh, Discover Community Church, uh, Pastor Bob and Gabe Oldfield. And I want to thank them for their hospitality and letting us use their sanctuary. Uh, offered to pay uh, Bob to rent this. And Bob said, absolutely not. You can't rent it, but you can use it for free. And I just I thank him for his generosity, their church, just for that spirit um, of love and, and care. They've got a lot of good things happening at their church. I'm sure we'll talk about some of those things in celebration with them over the next couple of weeks. But I just want to say thank you for their hospitality and their kindness to us. All right, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Paul writing to Timothy, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So just these two verses, a lot to unpack, a lot to talk about. I think the thing that automatically in my mind kind of jumps out to me is that he's telling Timothy, he's reminding him of a spiritual gift. And I was thinking about this. How in the world can you forget that you have a spiritual gift. But I think that that probably like is the proof that the world, even though it's 2000 years later, 
people are people. The world is the world and we still deal with all of these things. And a strategy of the enemy is to keep us either so busy or so leveraged or whatever that we neglect uh, our spiritual gift. And by neglect, I don't mean that you deny it. I don't mean that you're not, you know, that you don't like it or you're not impressed by it, but that just by happenstance, we're not exercising it. We're not using it. And it's not like, hey, I forgot that I ever had it. It's more the idea that we're just not using it. So it goes by neglect. And anything that goes by neglect, right, it's not being cared for. It kind of gathers dust. It kind of atrophies. It kind of is not what the Lord wants it to be. And so what, what Paul is telling Timothy is, dude, Remember this. It's in your life. Remember, he's actually talking in all contexts about spiritual warfare, and he's telling them how to fight the enemy. Use the spiritual gift that you've been given. Uh, one of our staff members, Caleb Smith, talked uh, uh, an excellent point uh, at our, our uh, uh, staff devotionals earlier this week, and that we, we're always trying to fight the devil from the second heaven. I don't have time to go into his whole message, but we're seated in heavenly places with Christ, and we can release that rather than trying down here on this, you know, head-to-head battle. We can release with authority what God has done, and I think that's what Paul's trying to tell Timothy. Remember, you have this gift in your life. Exercise this gift, because by exercising it, you're actually doing spiritual warfare. So if you're taking the notes, you want the fill in the blanks. The first one is just simply that remind me. We all need reminders. And it seems impossible when you read this that you could forget a spiritual gift. But let me give you an example. The Bible tells us that all of us have been given spiritual gifts. Every one of us. No one has been left out. Now, if you don't know what your gift is, then you can feel like you've been left out. But that is not the Lord neglecting his part. It's us not being aware of our part. And part of the reason this church exists is so that you know what your spiritual gift is and you know how to operate in your spiritual gift. And so being reminded, right? It's, it's a necessary ingredient in the world that we live in. And it doesn't have to be because like you're dealing with things that the, so if you have children, you have brain damage, it's easy to forget that you have different things that God's given you. And so we need a reminder. We need that thing massaged in our life. So Paul tells Timothy, I'm reminding you. We need to be reminded. And it seems impossible to forget a spiritual gift, but it is absolutely, uh, it, 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 it happens. So, so real quickly, if any of you have been given the spiritual gift of tongues, right? To speak in tongues. If you don't exercise that gift, then suddenly you forget that you even have that gift. And you might go, so, so where, where do we exercise that? How do we exercise it? Paul gives a couple of different ideas with that. In our own intercession, we use tongues to speak to the Lord when we don't even know how to pray or what to pray. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives us utterings and groanings in our spirit that God understands, so it can be used that way. But also publicly, in a church setting, it can be used to give directions, to give a prophetic word. And when that goes by default, it's like it never even happened to us, and we have to be reminded that we have these gifts. If you've been given the gift of hospitality or the gift of healing, uh, the gift of a word of knowledge, if you don't use it, it atrophies and you can forget that you have it, then we get reminded and suddenly, just by asking the Lord again, restore this, give this back to me, God, boom, it comes back, right? And so that's part of what this is, part of my job. I wrote this down, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. This is instruction from an apostle 
to a pastor on part of what the pastor's job is. And this is Paul telling Timothy, keep reminding, there's that word, keep reminding God's people of these things. And then he gets into, in this particular case, it's to warn them before God against quarreling about words. But it, over and over, you'll find that the instruction, part of what a pastor does is to remind God's people of their gifts, of what their life is, of who they are, where they're going, uh, to keep, you know, one foot here on earth and one foot clearly in where your citizenship is, right? So part of what we do is to remind people. Now, I included three scriptures here that I want to show you of the idea that it's just easy to forget something. And maybe you're like, so you don't have to convince me. I know I forget things. But look at this spiritually in life. Genesis 41, verse 30. This goes all the way back to Joseph and the Pharaoh when Pharaoh had the dream uh, about the fat cows and the skinny cows, the fat uh, grain and then the skinny grain, it was actually a prophetic understanding of seven years of plenty and then seven years of a worldwide drought. And so look at the wording here, but seven years of famine will follow them, the good years, then all the abundance in Egypt will be what? Forgotten. So how, how could you forget seven years of plenty? Well, seven years that erase that you can tend to forget. And so that's, that's kind of the idea here is that the stuff of life can cause us to forget the things that God has called us to, right? We have to always be put in remembrance. Jesus said about communion, remember me, do this in remembrance of me. Second one is from Hosea chapter eight, verse 14. The first part uh, of that, it's really the first five words. Israel has forgotten their maker. How could any person in a covenant with God forget God? I don't think it's to deny God. I think it's to the, the relationship, the intimacy of the relationship goes by neglect. And then suddenly we find ourselves in a place where we're not really considering spiritual giftings. We're not considering what God has for our lives. And the Bible says without that revelation, people cast off restraint, meaning unless you know why you're here, where you're going, what you're doing, you just end up living your life any old way, not a sinful way necessarily, but not a way that has purpose to it. God wants your life to have purpose, right? So we've got to be reminded of that. And then Mark chapter 8, verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, which no big deal, except that Jesus had told them to bring bread and they forgot somehow. So here it is again. It's just easy to forget, right? Life presents enough to us that it's easy to forget sometimes and we need to be reminded. I know in our particular case, right, with me as pastor, there are things just so many words that God has given to me over the years. I actually keep a file in my desk drawer that just says prophetic words. And the words that have been brought to completion, I take them out and I put them in another place where answered prayer, right? But on the ones that I've got words for that, that I need to remind myself to do spiritual warfare, I keep them in a file. I've been given so many over the years. The truth of the matter is I, I've forgotten more then I can even remember it. I have to pull them out and read them to remind myself so that I keep myself aligned in the direction that I know that God wants us to go. It's just so easy to let things go by default, not because you're trying to be spiritually sloppy, but we're just so busy, man. It's just, it's a constant. So this message in a way is to remind you. The second one is to stir up your gift. And so this is where this now suddenly takes on a proportion that I want to I want to remind you, stir up your spiritual gift. And I guess maybe I should say, if you are in the camp where you're like, I don't know if I have any spiritual gifts, man, we we can help you with that. 
and we want to help you with that. You do have spiritual gifts, right? That's, that's another message, but it's, it's the truth. You do have spiritual gifts. Finding what they are so you know how to aim yourself is important. But let me talk to people who know they have spiritual gifts, right? Promises from God's uh, abilities, talents, giftings that God's given you in your life, that if you don't sharpen those things, you don't hone those things, you don't, you don't press towards those things, uh, you can have a gift, but it just lays dormant in your life. And gifts are so powerful because God gives those to us, not only as identity, but so that when we go through the world, we're powerful, we're moving forward, we're able to help other people, we're a light, right? We're not just simply like surviving and taking up space, but we, we're on it. And your spiritual gift connects you to that. And so Paul tells Timothy, stir up your gift. It literally means this, to fan it into flame. If you've ever started a fire, you know how important it is to get oxygen on it. And if it begins to go down at all, the thing that most people do is get down, they blow on it, right? Try to get the, the oxygen into it. Because when you fan it into flame, suddenly it goes from a small ember, something that is, it, it's, it's there, but it's small. You get enough oxygen on it and what happens? It takes off and it burns and it provides light and it provides heat and energy. That's what a spiritual gift does. And you want to fan those things in your life into flame. You want to operate in them. You don't want to just be aware of them. You want to be using them. So for instance, a gift that God has given me, communication, right? A call to preach. I could have that gift, but unless I'm exercising that gift, unless I'm using that gift, unless I'm putting into that gift, it's a gift that lays dormant in my life. It's true, I have it, but it doesn't do you or me any good unless I use it and I exercise with it. And you can tell when somebody is using their gift, they become comfortable with it, they're, they're able to, to leverage it out so that God's able to use it and to do things with it. So that's, that's it. You want to fan that thing into flame. Part of our teaching and training center is to help people with giftings who've never known how to apply them. We want to help you see those things be fanned into flame in your life, right? Use the gift as another idea. Don't neglect the gift. Uh, how about this? No matter what you do with your gift, God promises that the gifts and the call are without repentance. Or in other words, he never changes his mind. So even if you don't take advantage of the gift, abuse the gift, uh, deny the gift, whatever it is, the Lord doesn't take them away. And that's why I say, even if you haven't been using it or not using it to the perspective that God wants, if you ask him, God instantly, he doesn't give it back to you because he's never taken it away. He wants you to fan it into flame and watch what happens when you do that with your gift. All right, so let me show you this. First Timothy chapter four, verse 14. I said a moment ago that Paul had told Timothy, I've given you this gift so that you can fight the enemy. So this is, this goes back, uh, into first Timothy, but it, it matches up with this idea. Paul writes to Timothy, don't neglect your gift, which is to let it go by default, right? To, to not use it. Don't neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you, which is exactly what we wrote, uh, read in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, the gift of God that was given to you by the laying on of my hands, right? We want to acknowledge those things. Part of the way you get a gift is that you need prophetic people to pray over your life. And if you've thought to yourself, I don't know how I feel about prophecy, let me help you with that one right now. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love. I don't think anybody's like, I got a problem with that. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We're all good there. And then he does this, um, especially prophecy. So we are to follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts. We're supposed to be okay with them. We want them. We're in agreement with them. If they're in the Bible, 
we want them. That should be our common denominator deciding factor. God's given them to us. We're supposed to want them, but especially prophecy. And I know so many people have a misunderstanding about what prophecy is. They tend to think that it's somebody who, maybe the Old Testament, right? Like the prophets, like like John, when he came before Jesus, and I know that's not Old Testament, but he was in the spirit of an Old Testament. He wore camel skin and had uh, ate locust and honey, a little locust leg hanging out of his mouth on his beard as he would preach the gospel. That is not the gift of prophecy. That was John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus. Prophets don't look like people wearing camel skin, eating honey and locust. Prophets, man, they look, they look like people sitting right next to you. They wear t-shirts or they wear a sport coat or they wear a, a, a button down or a sweater or whatever it is. You, you can't identify them by some Old Testament thing. In fact, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost that the spirit of God has been given to all flesh so that all are capable of prophesying. So it's not some controlling thing where someone comes in and they can tell you, here's what you do with your life. Here's what you can't do with your life. Prophecy is there to exhort us, to edify us, and to encourage us, the Bible says. So prophecy is not something to be looked at like someone's going to control me or tell me what I can or can't do. Prophecy is more, more or less the way that I would say it. It should be a confirmation of the things that God is already saying to you in your life. It should not be something that suddenly makes you go right when you're going left unless God is calling you. To something, right? But it's not a controlling factor. It's something we should all desire because it lets us know that God knows where we are in space and time in 2022. Facing all the things in the world right now, God is not shaken and he doesn't want you to be shaken. And part of the way that he does that is through the giftings that he gives us using prophecy to do that in our lives. Prophecy is a powerful thing. And if you haven't been prayed for, by people with that gift, it might be a missing factor in why that gift in your life is not established because many times God will, he, he will call a gift forth. I think he gave them to us in eternity, right? But he calls them forth when someone with that gift lays hands on us, someone in authority, someone who's proven and trusted, someone who, who has this gifting, they're able to lay hands on us and call out of us uh, things that are there. I know the very first time that I felt like uh, I was called to preach was reading the Bible, but I needed people in my life who knew who confirmed that uh, with me and in me and who, who said those things to me. A couple of times I got called out in a room full of people where I was not known and a speaker literally twice in my life called me out and said, God has called you to preach the gospel. And I wasn't there as a preacher. I was there as just a, a kid, right? Not even, uh, not even thinking about those things, but it's just, that's the power of prophecy and what it can do in our life. And we are to stir up that gift. There's a lot more I'd like to talk about with that and maybe another time to, to deal with the gifts. I, I am thinking, and would just say to you as we move into the new building, there will be more opportunities than ever to experience what we're talking about, to have prayer, to understand prophecy, to exercise those things, to see how they work within the church and the body. And I'm excited about that and want to, I guess, build excitement in you. All right, here's the one today I want to spend a little bit of time on, spirit of fear. And before I just jump into this, it's not, I don't want to go about it with the idea, um, and how do I want to say this? The fear that I'm talking about is not when somebody walks up behind you and goes, ah, or boo, and you, you jump. That's, uh, that's a natural fear, right? That's, that's the, the, the flight or fight fear 
that's in us. This fear that I'm talking about um, literally is a fear that stifles a person, that uh, throttles a person, that subdues a person, that binds a person. And I, I mean, best way for me to say this right now would be that I've never seen a day in the body, and I'm not just talking Jubilee, but I'm talking, you know, capital C church people that I'm talking to, pastor friends, uh, other situations that I'm aware of. I've never seen a day where there's more fear than there is today in the Bible, in, in, in the body. Um, and the Bible talks about that in these days, one of the things that would happen is it would be fearful times, stressful times, difficult uh, times that people are dealing with. And so, in fact, um, in this scripture right here, God has not given us a spirit of fear. That word literally means perilous, difficult, terrifying, dangerous, hard, terrible, fearful. God has not given us a spirit that's terrible, hard, dangerous, or fearful. In fact, the Bible says, be aware that the end days, the end times, last times, this is not where we live our lives, but we are seeing this right now. Every news channel, I don't care what side of the aisle you line up on politically, everything is fearful, right? Fearful of what government's doing to us, fearful of what Russia's doing, fearful of what the economy's doing, fearful of what's going on uh, in culture, fear, fear, fear. And if you dwell on that and you consume that and that's all you let into your mind, you become a fearful person. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but fearful people and joyful people, they're two different people. People that live from a place of joy. Life is good and life is good. And life is exciting and life is exciting. And our future in front of us is better than our days behind us. And you should feel that way as a believer. And if you wake up every day dreading another day, dreading where the world is going, dreading what's happening, all that's happened in you is you have become a partaker of fear. And a fearful person, it chokes faith. It chokes out your joy. It chokes out your life. Jesus, when he talked about uh, the cares of this world use the idea of a choking. It chokes a person. It literally strangles them from the life that God has from them. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So maybe the easiest way to say it is if you are a person who is fearful, and I don't care how that's manifesting in your life, it could be panic attacks, right? It, 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 it could be, it could be a number of inability to sleep inability to trust. One of the biggest ones we're seeing right now, honestly, and I know you'll think this is self-serving, but I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm seeing right now, and it's a trend just in the last 90 days, suddenly people are fearful of the economy. And so they're going like this with their possessions and what they have. And I, and I understand there's times to be conservative. There's times to, uh, to plan well. But if you find yourself suddenly like this, this is, God is never like this with us. God is always like this with us. And we best represent him when we're like him doing what he does. He doesn't want us to go through the world at this time like this. He wants us to be like this. What a marked difference between a person who can live their life trusting God and giving everything to him, believing in him and believing that he has it all in his hand and nobody can snatch us from there anyway or a person who's trying to take their own control over the situation and I'm gonna keep this from happening. It's like prepping, right? But prepping in the wrong sense. You're trying to, to I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fearful ultimately is what it is. And I think one of the things that we have to do in this time is to do the opposite of what that spirit wants us to do. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of love 
power and a sound mind. And if we find ourselves dealing with things in our mind where we can't sleep, we can't rest, we can't trust, people are full of fear for their children, for their children's children, full of fear for, uh, how about something as simple as just uh, the economy, the government, what's happening uh, just all around us constantly with weather, just fear, fear, fear. And maybe there are legitimate concerns in that, but you don't deal with them through fear. Fear's never the way to go. So the Bible tells us that we're part of a paradoxical kingdom. Remember Jesus said, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be greatest, be the least. The kingdom of God is a paradoxical kingdom. So now we read that and we think, oh, that's great for Jesus. Like that's, he's that person, but he's calling us to be those people who are paradoxical. So let me give you application for this. The paradox of if we live in a time of fear and the enemy is trying to force feed, shove down our throat, constant fear, and it begins to take hold of our mind and and begins to take hold of our emotions and take hold of of our bodies, right? Fear, it's it's not, you you can't compromise with fear. Give it any amount of room in your life and it will be like a disease that continues to eat, 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 eat until it controls everything. And by the way, fear also, just like joy, joy is passed down, fear is passed down. You think to yourself, okay, this is self-contained in just me. Listen to me. I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend. I'm telling you from my own experience. If you are a fearful person, even if you're trying not to show it to other people, you are passing it down. You are communicating it. It's a tell that you can't hide ultimately is what it is. Just like joy. Joy is a tell that you can't. If someone's joyful, you know they're joyful. If someone's angry, you know they're angry. And if someone's fearful, you know that they're fearful. And so we are called to live this paradoxical life through the kingdom to be great, be the least, to be first, be last, right? Jesus, if, if they hit you on one cheek, turn the other. And I know so many people think I, I could never live that way. My point simply is we're called to live a paradox. We're called to be the opposite of the spirit of the age. So if the spirit of the age is fear, and that's what the enemy is trying to work in the world today and to work in the church and to work in families and to work in government, then we have got to recognize God calls us to the paradox, the opposite of fear. Listen, would have to be a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. God wants you to be a person who has a sound mind. You've got to make a choice. Please listen to this. There's a secret in this. You've got to make a choice to do the opposite of what that thing wants you to do. By the way, if you say, well, I can't help it, right? I'm just fearful by nature. (laughs) What nature? What nature are you talking about? Your old nature? The nature that you were born with? The one that Jesus died to set you free of and to give you a new nature? You are not of that uh, spirit of fear. You are not a person of fear. You're a person of love, power, and a sound mind. You can operate that way. You can do business from that. You can worship from that. You can love people from that. And you can go forward in the world from that point of view right there. And not be stuck in this, I'm, I'm fearful. And so therefore, I've got, to, I've got to take care of me and mine. And I've got to hold on to everything that I have. And I, I've got to be cold to the world. Otherwise, it's going to devour us. Stop that. Stop that. That's not what God calls us to. He calls us to the paradox. Part of spiritual warfare I have found in my life is to do the opposite of what the Spirit wants you to do of this world. So if the enemy is trying to make you uh I don't know what the word would be. Let me, if if the spirit of the world 
is trying to make you um, hold on to stuff, then you do the opposite by being generous. If the spirit of the world has made you fearful for your children, take them on a mission trip. Take them to a place where you have to put it on the line and see God come through in a powerful way. Do the opposite of what that thing wants you to do. If, if it's that you, if you curse government all the time, Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Do the opposite of what the thing is and watch how it breaks that thing in your life. So if you're a fearful person and you find yourself just constantly, I'm learn to break it by beginning praise instead of worry. And you're like, that's just too simple. <laughs> it, it is the secret to breaking this thing in our lives. And so when we become so fearful, all of a sudden we hear the gospel through ears of fear. Uh, all our relationships come to us through the plane of fear. What do they want or what's going to happen to them or how do I keep this from happening? And God doesn't want us to live that way. A spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Do the opposite. So part of, I know this, uh, if you're a person who deals with anxiety, right? Anxiety, the way that they tell you uh, to handle anxiety, they call it exposure therapy. The thing that's making you anxious, you're supposed to slowly expose yourself to that thing so that you realize, okay, this isn't, you know, what I've been told, or this isn't as bad as I thought, or, hey, I can survive this. In a way, that's what I'm telling you. The spirit of God is the opposite of the spirit of this world. We do the opposite. We, we don't give in to fear. We don't run our lives through fear. We don't pray prayers that are full of fear. God, keep me safe. God, protect me. There's nothing wrong with the idea of wanting to be safe, but the safest place you can be is in the will of God doing what he's calling you to do. And sometimes that's putting it out there and going for it and watching how God comes through. The safest place you can be is not trying to care for your own future, but it's letting God, trusting him enough to care for your future and putting yourself out there. I just feel so strong about this as I'm teaching on this, that it's the way that we have to live our lives, especially in these days. And don't think, hey, Pastor John is just on a tangent up there. This is the way I can be a fearful person too and have to every day remind myself, God has not called me to play it safe. And maybe the best example I can give you in our Lone Tree building, we could have totally played it safe. I could have protected the staff in one sense of the word, but it really wasn't protecting them. I could have protected myself and our family and how things were going to play out to the end. But that's not really protect. What it is, it's hedging. And then I'm trying to be the one who's doing it and creating it and caring for it. And it's too much of a weight. What God wants me to do is to trust him and move forward. And advance in this day. 2022 is not the year of going backwards. It's the year to go forward. So come on, people of God. And I wish you were here to shout at me right now one way or the other because I feel like, ah. So I wrote down like I, it's three things that I just wrote down that I think like if you are dealing with fear or fear with your family, fear of the future, fear of whatever, so let me give you three things that I think are the opposite. And I mentioned in a mission, short-term missions. And if Jonathan and Rebecca Murley were sitting here, they would go, amen. Sabi would go, amen. David would go, amen. People that have gone on short-term missions know the value. It's not just taking a trip or a vacation. It's going someplace where you have to put your faith out there a little bit. One of the greatest things you can do, mom and dad, take your kids on a short-term 
mission trip. And Jubilee provides so many opportunities for you to be able to do that as an individual, as a couple, or as a family. Take your kids and show them the world through the eyes of the gospel. That will break fear. You're doing something that's the, uh, instead of staying home and like, how can I protect everybody? How can I keep everybody uh, from not going too far out of the yard and uh, protect them from the world? Do the opposite. And I'm not saying just send them out into the world and whatever happens, happens. Take them out with a calculated risk of trusting God in a situation. Uh, how about this one? And I mentioned it, give to break fear. The first thing that people tend to do when they get in a fearful situation, say they, they want to hold on. And I had a buddy of mine who told me the financial advice that his father gave him. This is the only financial advice he got. His dad pulled a wad of bills out of his pocket, held it as tight as he could and told his son when he was a kid, try to pull this out of my hand. And the kid couldn't pull the bills out of his hand. And his dad said, here's the lesson. That's what you do with money. Don't let anybody get it out of your hand. I get the idea of being a good steward, that's not the way to live your life. Trying to hold on to everything as tight as you can. Hold it like this and watch God multiply. You don't get the benefit of the miraculous if you're the one who's going like this through life. And I know when you hear this message, you'll think it's self-serving. Pastor John's trying to raise money. I didn't ask for any money this weekend intentionally so that I could preach this message without anybody going, oh, he's trying to do this for legacy. I... I didn't ask for any money. I'm trying to teach you a principle right now that is so important. It's just so necessary. It's so, it's so right on. And living this way for us has been all the difference in what has happened in our lives. Sometimes people look and they, they'll say, how have you been so blessed? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, we didn't sit down and try to figure out how to be blessed. We sat down and figured out, God, how do we live the life that you've called us to? And then God's blessed as we've done that. And when I go the opposite way and get fearful and try to hold on, it's funny how that dries up. And the very thing that I need to do is go back to being a generous person to break a spirit of fear over finances or over, over whatever it is. Uh, trying to hold on to it all the time is just not the way to go through life. Giving it away so that God can use it. Watch what he'll do for you. The third one, share your faith. There, I, you wanna break a spirit of fear? Do the opposite. Fear wants you to shut your mouth, to put your eyes down, and to avert any type of a confrontation in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not saying a confrontation, a fighting confrontation, but to plow into this world and to tell people, Paul said, be willing and ready to share the hope that's inside of you. And whenever I teach on sharing your faith, I, I know there are people who teach like, here's the three ways to share your faith. And all those things are important and they're good. I think the best way to share your faith, be a hopeful, joyful person. And you'll be surprised how many people talk to you about that. They won't say directly, but they will talk to you and then be willing to give them the reason for the hope that's in your life. And when you put it out there a little bit and find that, hey, I'm going to live my life from this place of doing the opposite of what the spirit of the age wants me to do. You'll find that you're not bound by the spirit of the age. And what everybody else is afraid of and what everybody else is hedging on and what everybody else is trying to keep from happening. Dude, you're sailing through that. You use that for fuel to move farther in life. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a convicted passion in me to convince people that this is the way to live life. It's easier for younger people, uh, older people like me 
tend to be more fearful. I don't know what it is about getting older that you tend to be more fearful, you're more cautious, you don't take as many risks. I say to you, that's the time to trust God more than ever. And don't get, man, don't die before you're dead. Don't retire before, <laughs> before it's time. Be a person who's out there doing what God called you to do. But more than anything, to break a spirit of fear that I see in believers today, I, in Jesus' name, hear this message. In the name of Jesus, know that God has given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, not a fearful person. God doesn't want you to live that way. And so many of the people that I love find themselves dealing with fear, and that's not what God wants for you. I don't know. I thought in a way when I wrote the message uh, earlier this week, knowing that we were going to record today, I thought to myself, do I save this so that we can lay hands on people in the time that we that we teach this message, right? It's kind of a setup to, to lay hands on people, to stir up that gift and to call that gift out and to rebuke a spirit of fear. But I think in this case, it's not about somebody else doing something for you. It's about you deciding how you're gonna live your life and what it is that God has said. And if you believe that the Bible is true and that God has given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, you make a decision. It's not, you don't need someone to stand over you and to pray for you to make this. You need to make the decision because this is truth and you believe it. And then if you make this decision, do something about it today. Share your faith. Give to break fear. Tell what God is doing. Go on, do something to do the opposite of it. And watch what God will do with your life even today. Man, I know as a pastor, my job is to remind you, and that's what I'm doing if you feel like he's being awful strong with that because I know the difference that it makes in all of our lives. And I know if you get turned on to this, what you will do with this, how you can break, instead of passing down fear generationally, you can pass down, you can pass down blessing, you can pass down joy, you can pass down the call of God generally, generationally. Uh, to, to your children and your children's children and even your children's children's children, right? All right. Um, man, love you. I pray that this weekend is a blessed weekend. I pray that you receive this message. I look forward to next weekend. Uh, be teaching again. We'll go further into uh, these things. We'll even have some activity on praying and laying hands on people. I think you will enjoy that. Look forward to that. Um, let me pray and finish it. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity to be together uh, today. And Lord, I would just ask that you would take this message, that it wouldn't fall, uh, like Jesus said, that the seed wouldn't fall in a place where it's a shallow root or it can't take root. But I pray that it falls in a good place where it can go down deep and that the return on this, 30, 60, uh, 100 times on this, one seed that could be a hundred times that. I, ten thousands of ten thousands of your blessing and life flowing into people. God, I want to pray for men and women and children right now that are struggling with fear. I know I come at it from trying to attack the thing. I'm passionate that people live in the call of God, that they live the life of God, the abundant life that Jesus called them to. But I know when fear takes over, you hear a message like this and it seems impossible. The, the, what fear does is it feels like it's put you in an isolated plateau where all around you is a valley and you can see the other places, but how do you get yourself from this isolation 
into those places of life. That's literally God promises to bring us into the promised land, to bring us into places of joy, to take us through valleys of of the shadow of death, not to leave us there, but to take us through and to bring us into green pastures. And I pray over you right now, the place that you're at today that's fearful in the name of Jesus. May it seem to you like a dream or a memory about somebody else because of how radically God changes your life, even beginning today. That if you were a person of fear, you start becoming a person who is full of joy and faith and trust. And you watch the Holy Spirit work this in you. And instead of being a family who deals with fear, that you'll be a family who is full of faith and full of life. And instead of being a people who are caught up like everybody else in the world, full of fear, what's going to happen tomorrow? Guys, we are the ones who know what's going to happen tomorrow. God is in control. God has promised to bring us through, to never leave us, to never forsake us, and not to leave us in a place where it's just all, it's trashed. That's not what God promises. So man, I pronounce over your life the good things of God, the call of God, the ministry of God, just the the freedom of God. I just rebuke what the enemy is doing, the lies of the enemy, the spirit of this age. We're not called to be partakers of that, but partakers together of the life of God and of his call. So I pray that over our church. I pray that in our city. I pray that God would move this way, that we'd be a church who's known for big faith and not for fear. And I thank the Lord for that now. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.